0: Hello and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information services provider for emerging markets executives. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools, and data that helps power their emerging markets business strategies. The focus of today's podcast is a discussion with FSG's Head of Sub-Saharan African Research, Anna Rosenberg, about the outlook for Kenya. My name is Megan Kelly, and I am in charge for marketing and communications here at FSG's head office in Washington. Anna is joining us on the line from our London office. And as a reminder, this research and all of our content is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com or via your FSG iPad application. Anna, welcome. Hi Megan, it's a pleasure speaking to you today. Uh, With that, let's kick off. Uh, Anna, from a high level, what is our view on the Kenyan market for the next several months and in 2017?
1: Well, Kenya um, really is is quite an important market for a lot of multinationals in Sub-Saharan Africa and it was a major attraction for multinationals in 2016, on the back of its strong growth trajectory, a large consumer base, uh, a very well-developed infrastructure, and also for having a strategic position within the East Africa region. We expect the economy to grow close to 6% in 2016, and probably um, at similar levels in 2017. However, um, there are some risks, especially around um, upcoming elections, and also um, some threats to regional integration which we're going to discuss later that undermine the otherwise positive outlook
0: before we talk about kenya's current outlook more in detail uh, can you put the country into regional context for our clients
1: sure megan so so kenya has the fourth largest kenya is the fourth la- largest economy in sub-saharan africa with a GDP of about $60 billion. And it's also one of Sub-Saharan Africa's few lower to middle income countries. Over the past decade, um, the economy has grown by about 5.5% per year, which really makes it one of the 15 top growth performers in the region. And that's really quite important, because Kenya, contrary to other markets, is actually not growing from a very low base. So it's a more mature economy. And those strong growth rates are really attractive. Growth has been uneven, of course, um, because of some internal and external shocks like past election-related violence and things like that. It's been much less volatile compared to other markets in the region. The, The country benefits overall from political stability, a strong talent pool, relatively good infrastructure, as I mentioned before, and as I also mentioned, an entry point into East Africa. And that is very important because that's one of Kenya's largest attractions. Many multinationals have entered the market recently, especially with a keen interest of expanding into the wider East Africa region, because that way you're looking at a combined market of about 180 million consumers, and that of course suddenly makes Kenya and East Africa comparable to the other giant in the region, Nigeria. So what's driving Kenya's positive environment? So the growth trajectory is primarily driven by a rapidly urbanizing and growing population that's very important, increasing disposable income of that population, infrastructure investments and high levels of government spending, and also um, growing trade with the region. So let me just dive deep into the the so-called demographic dividend. The total population in Kenya is, is projected to expand from about 46.1 46.1 million people in 2015 to 66 million in 2030 and 96 in 2050 so that's more than double the current level and the key thing here is that the working age population will continue to grow even quicker than the total population throughout 2015 to 50 and this has the potential to translate into higher income and consumption of course which is very attractive to consumer goods companies. Now, the key thing is also that the incomes are rising across different levels. Um, because of of course, more multinationals entering the market and more economic activity taking place. So we are already seeing an, an expansion of the middle class, which is driving retail sector growth and also a lot more opportunities in other sectors. So Kenya really is, is, is perceived and driven by consumer spending. I alluded to infrastructure investments by the government. The government is benefiting from the low oil price at present, and so they have been able to step up the budget quite substantially. And we're seeing a lot of that money being channeled into new infrastructure projects above everything else, simply because the government knows to maintain Kenya's competitiveness, they have to build roads, bridges, railways, hospitals, etc., etc. So those are really the the main drivers of Kenya's positive outlook.
0: What are uh, some of the major risks undermining these positive fundamentals?
1: Well, there are a number of um, difficulties and vulnerabilities. Terrorism is the obvious one. And the the political and institutions are also um, weak to some extent um, and not necessarily always very effective. And then we have a quite heavy reliance on, on rain-fed agriculture, which is a problem whenever there's a drought, for example. And um, so when we look at the big things here, like the international terrorist threat, Kenya does remain quite vulnerable to terrorism, and simply because the country remains engaged in Somalia militarily, and because it's battling against Islamic group Al-Shabaab there. And a lot of the terrorist attack that we've seen in, in Kenya in the past were a result of of that military activity in the region. Now, um, the the weak political and institutional effectiveness is something that multinationals also have to watch, because it undermines um, service delivery by the country by the government, really, and also the ability of companies to work with the government effectively. Because the economy has been doing so well, we have seen. Um, well, strong growth, um, and that has been resulting in an uptick in corruption also among, among the government. And um, there's a lot of interest in self-enrichment on different levels of the government, which is compounded by some um, capacity shortages, let's say, and, and constraints as well. So it means that it's quite tricky to work with the government to some extent.
0: So from your upcoming report on Kenya, uh, we can see that there are various trends affecting the market in the next 12 to 18 months. Could you please elaborate on them and could we start with your
1: first trend on political stability? Of course, there are are elections coming up in August 2017 and elections in Kenya have been historically quite uh, difficult times for the country. We are already seeing political tensions rise as uh, the campaigning gathers momentum. Um, There is definitely potential for intermittent protests and also for some violent flare-up. We think at present that uh, mass election-related violence, like we saw in 2007, 2008, um, is relatively unlikely at the moment. However, things could change quickly. Um, the, the, The reason for the existing tensions are an overall distrust in the electoral system. Um, so the majority of Kenyans distrust the, the current electoral system, especially the Electoral and Boundaries Commission. Um, so we saw a lot of protests early in the year, which were accompanied by a harsh police crackdown that led to five deaths. Um, and that really illustrates some of the risks. We've seen some reform since then amongst the electoral bodies, but there's still a lot of uncertainty And that uncertainty goes along many different power struggles in the regions, um, in the counties, and uh, those could lead to more political protests moving forward. Um, Also, the fact that the previous violence in 2007-2008 did pretty much go unpunished um, has many Kenyans been extremely dissatisfied. We didn't see the ICC um, case against uh, Ruto and Uhuru Kenyatta, who were involved in the violence in 2007, go forward. So this means that there's a belief that Kenyan politicians can get away with whatever they want to. And that, of course, is a risk. So if if there are political interests and they want to um, entice violence again, then there could be the perception that they can do so easily. So there are a few underlying dynamics that multinationals need to watch,
0: Indeed, Uh, this is an important development that our clients must watch because it could change the growth trajectory of Kenya. With that in mind, let's talk about um, your more positive second trend on improving business sector reforms.
1: Yes, so despite um, the challenges that I alluded to earlier with the government and some of the corruption issues, we have seen Kenya um, following a much more positive pro-business stance There have been many new laws um, being released recently, such as new company and insolvency laws. The government is also actively promoting public-private partnerships between um, uh, private organizations and government institutions. They're strengthening competition laws, and they're also improving um, the oversight of the banking sector. Um, There were quite a few problems recently with the banking sector. And so now that seems to have been strengthened, which is positive, um, because it protects, of course, multinationals. Um, Multinationals in general should expect uh, modest improvement in pro-market policies in the next few years. Of course, progress is still going to remain slower, um, simply because the overall political and institutional effectiveness is still weak, as I mentioned earlier on. And uh, corruption is something that multinationals still have to follow closely. In recent months, there have been major scandals, and many businesses claim that demand for bribes are increasing ahead of the August 2017 general elections as parties seek uh, campaign funding. So what does this mean for business? So on the one hand, it means that companies will benefit from some business reforms, um, for example, from the stabilized financial sector, um, but of course, multinationals will also face rising threats from corruption, um, which is a, which is a big deal, and uh, it's probably very important right now to have strategies in place to mitigate that risk amongst uh, amongst local representatives and and distribution partners as well.
0: An intriguing trend that you highlight in the report is that regional integration is slowing in East Africa, and Kenya stands to lose. Could you elaborate on that?
1: Sure, so regional integration among members of the East African community, and that's uh, Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda and Tanzania and Burundi as well, Um, the the regional integration among them has hit a stumbling block in 2016 because the EAC members are not agreeing on an important trade agreement with the European Union. And if that trade agreement that is supposed to be signed in October isn't signed, Import tariffs on EU goods and services will remain in place, um, while Kenya's export sector will face higher tariffs when exporting to the EU. That's because um, that's really only because important because um, countries in the region have misaligned incentives. Tanzania and Uganda are withdrawing their support to sign the trade deal because for them it doesn't necessarily add a lot of value. But Kenya is likely to be hit hardest because it doesn't benefit any longer from preferential duty-free access because it achieved middle income status in 2014. So while the poorer EAC partners are going to continue to benefit from duty-free access well into the future, Kenya wouldn't. And that of course undermines uh, or basically highlights that there's different incentives here at play right now. And um, it's not only the trade deal uh, or the non-signing of the trade deal, that it could slow regional integration but we've also seen um, some infrastructure projects slow down um, as kenya has been keen to build a old pipeline with, with uganda uganda starts to um, focus instead on working with tanzania um, citing a lower terrorism threat and there's also some similar back, um, backlash has been with ethiopia so overall trade is a big deal and um, infrastructure projects in the region And um, we will have to wait and see at least until October to understand if if this is really a major um, development that is going to affect doing business moving forward, or if this is more a short-term development at this point in time.
0: In light of the view we've discussed today, what would you recommend clients to do in respect to their Kenya
1: operations? Most importantly, they need to follow the lead up to the 2017 elections closely and implement contingency plans now for their staff and, of course, uh, for the business in case of an uptick in election-related violence. Um, following the, they also need to follow the signing of the trade agreement with the EU, which is scheduled for October, because if it isn't signed, um, they should start to assess how tariffs in the region could affect their business, because there's likely going to be changes. Um, but despite these risks, Kenya does remain uh, very attractive to companies particularly as other large markets in the region are slowing. This means multinationals will be challenged by strong competition because more companies prioritize Kenya at present over other markets in SSA. And so they will need to identify new underserved customers, particularly in the lower income segment, which is still showing strong growth in SSA.
0: So with that, we're at time. Anna, thank you very much for this interesting conversation. If you have any questions, please send us an email. You can also go to our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com and access any of our resources on demand. Or feel free to reach out to us at info at